0: I am here once again with one of my favorite people, Jumping Jay, the host of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're back for another episode of Legendary Wrestling Figures. Jay, how's it going, my friend?
1: Brian, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me back on the show. It is, it's an honor and it's a thrill to be here talking with you.
0: Oh, I, I feel honored to have you. And, uh, and before we talk wrestling and we talk hillbilly gym, um, I got to ask you, i I, I just get to paint wrestling figures and do podcasts and that's my outlet for creativity. But I know you and your wife have a family fun center. So aside from doing 80s wrestling, the podcast where you get to spend an hour every week with wrestling fans that uh, there's every once in a while, I would say a handful of times in the last um, almost two years that I've been calling in that uh, that they aren't able to make the show. And, and this this happened uh, fairly recently because jay was working on um, i guess the family fun center that you and your wife run tell me what was going on
1: yeah so actually the as we're recording this today is actually the fourth uh anniversary of us opening up our own business and so i won't bore you with the background story or the details but my wife and i had a had a drive and a passion and an idea to open up a family entertainment center in our hometown because Uh, life tends to pull families in multiple different directions. You know, kids have school, parents have work, kids have after-school programs, parents have meetings. And so there's a lot of times where our different activities pull us apart. And our town is fortunate. We have, we have lots of great things for families to do, but they all tend to be targeted at specific age groups. So either it's something that mom and dad take kids to and are more of a spectator as kids. Uh, jump on trampolines or, or climb on playground equipment and do things like that. And so we had an idea what if we came up with a, an entertainment place that people of all generations could do together? And so uh, we worked hard on it and we were thankfully, by the grace of God, able to open it. And we're, today we celebrate our fourth anniversary. But one of the attractions we have in there is we have a couple of escape rooms. And if before any you, you are, go on,
0: yeah, I, I gotta say, congratulations on four years. That is, that is a thank you not, very much. You think about high school is four years, and, uh, and it's like four years is a good accomplishment. And also, I just want to say, as you're as you're t- telling me about it, uh, not to not to say you're Walt Disney, but it's very Disney esque because when uh, because uh, I don't know if you know, I'm a big Disney fan. And and before Disney opened Disneyland, he would go to these uh, these parks with his kids, and he would sit at the bench, and he would just uh, he would frown because it was. It was so catered just to the kids. And so yes, he wanted something, yes. that the adults and the kids, they could all go there. They could all have a wonderful time. And that was the genesis of his uh, uh, formation of the idea of Disneyland. And so I'm not saying that you have Disneyland, but, <laughs> but, uh, but very special. And, and how big is the population in your town? Before you tell me what you guys were doing, and, and what actual town is it in case somebody's in Minnesota and they want to check this out?
1: Oh, man, I appreciate that opportunity to to plug the business. Uh, We live in St. Cloud, Minnesota, which is about, if you threw a dart at the state of Minnesota, we're about smack dab right in the middle. We're in the central part of Minnesota. We're about uh, a little over an hour, hour 15 minutes north of of the Twin Cities. People know Minneapolis and St. Paul, and so we're about an hour 15, hour 20 minutes north of there. My town has a population of just over 60,000 people, but then when you talk about the, the metro area, the surrounding towns, you know, you get up over a hundred thousand people. And so you're pulling from a pretty good population uh, for an entertainment type establishment. And we have a number of them in or around our town, but we kind of have a unique one because we've been able to put attractions in there that no other place really has the same combinations of attractions. And so we've been very fortunate in that manner. And our heart really is to give a tremendous experience and my wife and i always talk about the favorite moment of our business the favorite part of our business is a moment we never get to see it's the car ride home or it's the next time a family gets together after coming to our place and they they share the memories and the laughter of you know what it was like to play laser tag with grandma or what it was like to be in an escape room uh, with their parents or their kids and and to just kind of relive those moments And I think if I'm being honest, I think my love of pro wrestling and just the experience that that gave me is one of the things that fuels my passion to to give other people a similar experience where they're entertained in the moment, but then even after the moment they still have a smile on their face thinking about the entertainment they, they've just been through. And wrestling did that to me as a kid and wrestling still does that to me. And so I hope through our efforts that our business provides a little bit of the same type of uh, enjoyment and, and brings the same type of joy uh, to the people that visit. But anyway, to, to get back to answering your question, uh, yeah. one, of the, one of the attractions we have are escape rooms, and if your listeners have never done an escape room, it's like a real life game of maybe like the board game Clue and hide and seek. You know, you're in this um, decked out, themed out environment, immersive environment. You go in there and your goal is to get out of the room before, before time runs out, and how you get out of rooms is you have to solve puzzles, answer riddles, unlock boxes, find codes, find keys that lead you kind of on this trail hoping to be able to unlock the one thing that gives you the item you need to escape the room. And our business has two escape rooms and we try to change them out every six months. So we'll build the room, we'll install the room, it'll live in our facility for a year and then we'll change it out. But we have two of the rooms so they're offsetting by six months. So every six months, we're getting a new theme primarily because we don't live in a tourist town. If you live in a tourist town, you could have an escape room with one theme and there's always new people to go through it. But when you don't live in a tourist town, you got to keep changing the theme and updating the room so that customers that have come through it once will come through again. And so uh, I took a week off of doing the, the 80s wrestling, the podcast show with Tommy because we were installing a new escape room. And when you install the new escape room, It's long hours because you don't want to be without that attraction for very long. And so we give ourselves about a week and a half to to tear down the old room and install the new one. It takes about six months to build the room, to build all the props in our warehouse. And then we store them. And then when it comes time to to switch them out, yeah, it's a week of just early mornings, late nights. And so unfortunately, I had to miss uh, the episode of the podcast that week. But the install was completed last Thursday. And so it's been up and running. Uh, and, and it's been getting great reviews from customers, so I'm very happy with it.
0: What uh, what current themes do you have? I know it's again we're not on wrestling, but unless you did a wrestling theme, like I know when I talked to you at 80s <laughs> Wrestling Con, you wanted some escape room with the wrestling theme. But uh, what have you got going currently in those two rooms?
1: So we don't have a wrestling theme yet, but I would absolutely love to do one one day. And I think you could do it in a way that it would be enjoyable for even non-wrestling fans. I think we could pull it off if we really, I'd probably have to tap into you and we'd have to put our brains together and come up with an experience that that everyone would enjoy. Right now, we have a 50s diner themed escape room, which is very cool. Uh, the storyline to that room is that there's this iconic 50s diner that's been closed down and... This big corporation's been trying to buy it and demolish it so they can build up a, a shiny new strip mall and that they have the dynamite set in place. But there's a urban legend that says the king of rock and roll hid a gold record somewhere inside. So if customers can find that gold record in 45 minutes or less, not only will they escape and save the diner from the dynamite, but they'll also save themselves from the inevitable blast. And so we call that one blast from the past. And that one's a lot of fun. And then the one we just opened up, it's called crash landing, and it's kind of an area 51 type vibe. It's a high tech top secret facility that is housing uh, an alien spacecraft. And the customer's job is to help the, the alien in the spacecraft repair his ship and take off before Uh, the people of the warehouse discover that they're there and kind of come looking for them. And so kind of one based in reality with the fifties diner and then one kind of more sci-fi out there with crash landing, but uh, both fantastic rooms and great experiences.
0: Maybe sci-fi. I don't know, man. It might be out there. (laughs)
1: Listen, it might be a real thing there. It would not surprise me to learn of a, of a high tech top secret facility that's housing a spacecraft. And so, yeah, they both might be based in reality.
0: Oh man, that and uh, you know Indiana Jones. Uh, as we record this, and this this will come out after uh, after it's happened. But the new Indiana Jones movie is about to come out, and I couldn't be more hyped about a a movie. Uh, so I got to ask you uh, again, not wrestling related, but we're all uh, we're all '80s kids. Uh, were you an Indiana Jones fan growing up?
1: Listen, man, like I I said the last time that you had me on your show, I feel like I was a kid at the right time because. We had not only tremendous pro wrestling, but we had tremendous toy lines, tremendous movies that just captured our imaginations and allowed us to experience these adventures that maybe we wouldn't have been able to experience otherwise. And so, yeah, Indiana Jones has a special place in my heart, too. I've seen all the movies. I'm excited for this one. And I'm that I will probably go back and watch the previous movies on the streaming services before I see the new one, just to kind of, you know, refresh my memory and refresh, re spark that excitement and joy. But yeah, Indiana Jones is one of those franchises that when you saw it as a young person, like it captured your mind. And I hope movies do that for young people still today. I think as we get older, we get kind of jaded with life and maybe some of that movie magic is lost, but when, A movie like this comes out, one that we have nostalgia for. Yeah, it kind of reinvigorates your love and passion for it and gets you excited the way you used to get excited. So, yeah, Indiana Jones is up there on my list of top favorite movie franchises from my lifetime.
0: Well, definitely. And I was was seven, and I were just about to turn seven, and my mom took me. My dad thought that Raiders of the Lost Ark, so this is for the first one. My dad thought, a movie about an archaeologist, that's got to be boring. So he stayed (laughs) home with my little brother, and I got to go to see the first one with my mom. And and I've told a story on one of the earlier episodes of the podcast, but uh, the third movie and the first movie, to me, those are two of my favorite of all time. And my mom actually won tickets to go see – the uh, third movie on a radio show where she won two tickets and then she kept calling and won another pair of tickets. So we got to see a, <laughs> a an advanced screening of Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade, which uh, brings me to the next question is you were probably about eight years old when that one came out. Which uh, which of the Indiana Jones movies is most near and dear to your heart?
1: Ah Man, if if I had to pick right now, I would probably say The Temple of Doom, just because I think that's one that I watched with my older brother, Jason. And so it kind of has that uh, those good vibe feelings, too, of something that you're connecting with with an older sibling. Um, But they're also good. You know, we talked earlier just moments ago about our business. And one of the things we have is laser tag. We have a nice laser tag arena. And I snuck in the Indiana Jones theme song into the playlist inside, uh, the laser tag. So every once in a while, as people are cruising around our laser tag arena, the theme song to Indiana Jones will play. And it's just, to me, it just encompasses the adventure that you're on, uh, when you're playing laser tag, when you're doing stuff is to have that theme song rocking in the background. And so, uh, yeah, that, that snuck into the playlist.
0: Definitely. That's awesome, man. So, uh, back so now I'll get on topic and go to some wrestling after all that fun stuff and I, I'm just the a lot of people that uh, I've been getting feedback they have different outlets for creativity and so uh this show I've I've spent the first 13 episodes before I started uh, talking to people, uh, going over like the intricacies of what I'm doing to paint these wrestling figures. Um, I think that your story of building these escape rooms of building the fun center, man, that's going to hit home with a lot of people. So I appreciate you sharing all that here. Um, this week I'd, I'd also like to talk about, uh, wrestling movies. And, uh, and so for, for me, the, before I got into wrestling, I saw Rocky 3 with Thunderlips, Hulk Hogan. And uh, that, that was, uh, like I say, a few years before I really got into wrestling. So for me, that's kind of like the iconic film that was a gateway a couple years later to getting into wrestling. But uh, for you, what are the most memorable um, cinematic experiences with a wrestler? Do they? Uh, is it uh, Rocky 3, They Live, No Holds Barred? Where are you at on your uh, wrestling uh, movie lore?
1: So... Uh, I'm a big fan of they live with Rowdy Roddy Piper. And you know, the, I came here to chew bubble gum line. And that is a movie that used to play. I'm guessing on TBS on the superstation. It used to play on some channel where I was a kid and flipping through. And that's the first time I saw it. And I didn't know Rowdy Piper, Rowdy Piper was an actor or was in a movie until I kind of saw it on my TV set. And so that one has a special place in my heart. Obviously, no Holds Barred has a huge place in my heart because I was a huge Hulk Hogan fan. And so I just remember the the amount of push that Vince McMahon put behind that movie. And the movie, you know, I haven't seen it in a few years, but it was it's probably just an okay movie if you're not a Hulk Hogan or if you're not a wrestling fan. If you're just a movie buff, it's probably not one you're going to watch. But I remember being super excited about that. And then when they crossed Zeus over into the storylines into my pro wrestling television, I thought that was awesome. And then when I was in college, the movie ready to rumble came out, which starred a lot of WCW superstars and my college roommates and I would sit down and we would watch that movie. And so that one has a, a special place in my heart too. Um, but yeah, anytime the world of wrestling kind of transcends the industry and goes onto the big screen, uh, I get a kick out of that.
0: Well, now I'm embarrassed because I've never seen Ready to Rumble, but uh, I'll have to put that on the list and check it out. Um, now, I'll, I'll, I'll go in the, the, the Wayback Machine, which is... Uh, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle reference to Poindexter and, and whatnot. But in the Wayback <laughs> Machine in the 70s, there was a movie uh, called The One and Only with Henry Winkler. Have you ever uh, heard of or seen that
1: one? No. So you have to watch Ready to Rumble and I have to watch The One and Only. And I would recommend not watching Ready to Rumble with your uh, significant other. It's probably not not one that she would get a kick out of. Uh, you might <laughs> like it just for the wrestlers that are in it. But uh, The One and Only with Henry Winkler, huh?
0: Yeah, and I'll say the same thing about that one. <laughs> Tina probably wouldn't like that one. But basically, the uh, it, it's you might be able to find it on Tubi or something. It might just be on YouTube. It's a, it's a little bit hard to find. But uh, it's the debut uh, performance of Rowdy Roddy Piper in on film where uh, Gene LaBelle got him the role. And he just plays a, a – it's kind of a cameo. But he's uh, – He's in it. Henry Winkler is the star and a uh, kind of a gorgeous George persona. Uh, Chief, uh, not Chief Jay Strongbow, but um, one of the Guerrero brothers is in it. Uh, not one of the brothers, Chavo Guerrero. Their their father is in it. Okay. So it's it's a uh, it's kind of a cool old uh, older seventies wrestling movie. And if we uh, and there's also one called The Wrestler that's from the seventies, not the one with Mickey Rourke. Sure. Uh, with around 08 but uh it's maybe around 75 1975 1976 it's got a ton of wrestlers in it um, Dusty Rhodes Dick Murdoch Vern Gagne uh, so that's another uh, just historical piece both of these are, are things that if you're up by yourself uh <laughs> you're not going to want to watch these anybody other than a wrestling fan Um, And then the one that's a little more exciting to me is Body Slam from uh, the one that Roddy Piper took off after 1986 to go film. But right after WrestleMania 2 and before he returned in late 86. Have you have you seen Body Slam?
1: I have seen Body Slam and it's been a long time. And I know uh, Tommy Fear, our good friend, will will reference that movie often as well. Uh, And so it's probably time that I go back and watch that again. Along with, uh, I'm a huge fan of Henry Winkler, and so I'm sure it'll give me a different appreciation for the Fonz after I watch uh, the One and Only. But yeah, Body Slam is an iconic uh, wrestling film, and I'm gonna write that one down too and go back and rewatch that. Yeah, there's,
0: I mean, there's a couple rough around the edges, uh, uh, not politically correct things about it, but you know, which you can say that about 1980s wrestling also. Yes. Unfortunately, it one nice thing. So I'll say this: one of the good things about wrestling today and kayfabe being gone is that there's no point in uh, wrestlers uh, pretending to to have these. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's it's unfortunate. But there's a lot of racist type stuff that mm-hmm. happened in the '80s, and so that would that's one area of wrestling now where the racism and the homophobia you don't have to you know have bad guys lean on that crutch right. because you no know, we know that in real life they're they're not actual bad guys and so <laughs> it, at least you could say that in most cases the racist guys back then were the bad guys and so you, you as a little kid you realized oh that's that's not cool right and, yeah, exactly but uh anyway <laughs> the, the body slam yeah that it's one of my favorites uh when I was at uh eighties wrestling con um one of the people that uh Toto Atom tom and i picked up from the airport was barbarian and barbarian has a part in that yep. movie so so i actually asked him if he had fun uh filming that and and he did which was was really cool so uh with barbarian i don't know if you got you got your picture with him i'm guessing today he's wrestling con
1: yes I, listen i both him and the warlord were two of the scariest guys when I was a kid, like legitimately frightening, just massive men, meaner than nails in real life. Probably two of the sweetest men I've ever met. They were so giving of their time, so nice. Took photos with them, talked to my kids. Amazing,
0: yeah. I, and I, I would say the exact same thing that uh, <laughs> Warlord, I talked to him um, in the hotel at breakfast. What a nice guy, Barbarian, obviously a half hour uh, car ride to the hotel listening to him and uh, Leilani Kai telling stories, just two of the sweetest people in the world. And uh, it's just surreal to be around these people that you watched on TV that were, you know, heroes or villains way back when, and then find out that uh, they're just kind human beings when you get to actually talk to them in person. So,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's a very unique experience. Cause even though, you know, we're adults, we're old, still when you're approaching the warlord and the barbarian—you still get filled with a little bit of, you know, uncertainty. And then when you get up there and you start talking to them, you realize they could not be any nicer, and how appreciative they are of their fans. Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's nice to learn that some of the scariest villains from your childhood are some of the nicest people in real life.
0: One hundred percent. With that, we'll uh, let's talk some hillbilly Jim, my friend. Let's do it. So do you have your uh, Hillbilly Jim in hand or do you uh, uh, have a good memory of what he looks like? Did you have the hat? Do you still have the hat?
1: So I have two Hillbilly Jim LJNs. One is off card, no hat, kind of beat up. I have him also on card with the hat still in there. And so uh, I got, yeah, two, I'm fortunate enough to have two of them, I guess.
0: Well, that brings me to another question we haven't talked about. How many figures do you have on
1: card? Because I have zero. Okay, I don't have many. I have Hillbilly Jim, Don Morocco, and Captain Lou Albano. I think those are the three that I have on card. And they're not mint on card. Like the cards, you know, there's some yellowing in some of the bubbles, and the cards aren't, you know, pristine by any means. Um, But those are the three that I have on card. Hibbley Jim just happens to be one of them.
0: Well, those are, uh, you know, 37 to 39 years old each. So uh, uh, it's understandable that they're in that
1: shape. And it's really cool that you still have them on card. Um, Those those are ones that I got later in life on eBay. You know, because sometimes on eBay, you can find, uh, you can still find a steal. You can still find a very nice priced item. And so I have all those figures loose. But then, when I saw a reasonably priced on card, I went for though I went for it as well.
0: I'll give you one of my secrets that I do sometimes, and I'll give it to any i'm not <laughs> I don't have a large audience, I'm sure, but one of the things I'll do every once in a while is I'll look up uh, l g n instead of l j n oh <laughs> yeah.
1: So- Yeah, so a lot
0: of times people will will screw up and they'll post uh, LGN and you'll find something that uh, wouldn't be at the same price if it was LJN. Yep,
1: I think I've gotten a couple just by by typing in like uh, rubber wrestler, you know, where they don't maybe even know that it's an LJN or know that it's from Titan Sports or World Wrestling Federation and it's just somebody who's maybe posting stuff that their kids left at the house or whatever. And so, yeah, if you can search some weird off-term, sometimes you can get lucky.
0: Nice, nice. So, uh, tell me what you think about Hillbilly Jim. Where do you? Uh, what are your feelings about the Hillbilly Jim action figure?
1: So, first of all, Hillbilly Jim. I've had the pleasure of meeting him as well. I haven't met a ton of wrestlers in my life, but they were doing a Road to WrestleMania in two thousand five. And I live about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes north of the Twin Cities. And one of the things we have near the Twin Cities is something called the Mall of America. And so the Road to WrestleMania tour came through the Mall of America. Hillbilly Jim was probably on a Legends contract. So it was Hillbilly Jim, Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, and then Ron Simmons were representing the World Wrestling Federation at the Mall of America. And so my wife and I and my brothers, we went down. And so I got to meet Hillbilly Jim. He was incredibly nice and i'm about six foot five six foot six somewhere in there and this man towered over me he was a legit six seven six eight nicest guy you could meet so fun talking to him um and so yeah i'm a huge hillbilly Jim fan it's funny when you meet these wrestlers they almost go up a notch you know i liked hillbilly Jim. i was a fan of his but once you meet them and have that personal connection, it's almost like they shoot up in the ratings and you're in your personal index of, of what you think of them. Uh, so I'm a huge just fan of the person. Uh, and this is a really nice figure, Brian, this is a solid visual representation of him. Uh, it's got, you know, the hat, if you're lucky enough to still have the accessory with the hat, it's got the the overalls. The only thing about the figure that, threw me from the get go is the red undershirt. I don't remember him ever having a red undershirt um, underneath his overalls. And uh, you are much more of a historian than I am. And so you can probably correct me if, if he had a red shirt under his overalls at, at certain big events, but I just don't remember ever seeing it. And so I'm not sure why it was included on this figure.
0: Well, normally he didn't have a, the undershirt at all when he wrestled. There are some uh, I've seen pictures of him with the black and I may have seen some pictures with the red. Uh, so in the prototype for him, they actually did with the black shirt. So I painted sure. uh, I painted one of them with a black shirt and then the other little details on the figure that I've added is uh, on the back of his overalls. He's got an chief so I like to paint that red and then the uh, the buckles on his overalls and all the little rivets on his overalls. There's a Uh, there's four little rivets up towards the top Mm -hmm. and then there's two around his pockets. And then on his back pockets, there's two on each. So I like to paint in, uh, gold or bronze rivets and paint in the buckles and give some color to that handkerchief. And it, it really kind of makes the figure stand out a little better than it did, um, but yeah, the, uh, normally he would be wrestling with just the overalls, and he wouldn't have one of those undershirts. So I hear you as far as uh, as that detail and uh, and where maybe it uh, maybe it would have been better without it. But uh, it does give it a little more color, I guess.
1: Yeah, it does, and it's pretty, especially on the back. The the overalls are are kind of low cut, and so maybe if it was just skin back there, that would have been even uh, would have caught the eye, maybe even in the wrong way as well. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing him, you mentioned a black undershirt. I remember seeing pictures of him with the black undershirt, but even when you just look at the overalls, they did a really nice job considering this is all hand sculpted at the time. There's wrinkles in the overalls. You can see indentations for pockets in the overalls. The fact that you went the extra mile and kind of added the color to the buckles is incredible because yeah, that's a great detail that once you add color to, I'm guessing just, you know, really pops off the figure nicely. But when you look at the sculpt, even the beard and the hair and even the pose, I think they did it. I think they did a really good job here.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And that hat is amazing. The soft rubber hat.
1: Yeah. When you're thinking that all that stuff is being hand sculpted and then molded to be mass produced, because even the hat, you can see like the, the design of the rope around the edges and stuff. And so it's really nicely done. Um yeah, they really did him justice on this figure. It's kind of fun because I don't often go back and look at these figures uh, with an eye for rating them. And so you really start noticing different details that maybe you miss when you're just admiring it for what it is, you know, an action figure. But when you really start appreciating the art that goes behind it, this is a great, this is a great representation of Hillbilly Jim. I would probably give this, I don't know what I would change about this figure. Maybe just because the red shirt doesn't, doesn't stick with me in my memory as something that I've ever seen him actually wear. I'll give this figure. I think it's a solid four on on, on my one to five star ratings. I'll give Hilbilly Jim a four star rating.
0: I'll take it. Awesome. So we got uh, John Stud. Uh, you rated before with a four. Hibbley Jim with a four. Uh, these are both solid figures that we've uh, covered with you so far on the show. Um, Jay, I can't thank you enough. For being such a wonderful guest, I really appreciate you. And uh, if you're up for it, I will I will hit you up in the near future for the next figure that we review.
1: I would I would love that. This is so much fun talking to you, Brian, about this. And I promise you, there are some LJN figures that I'm not a huge fan of, and so they won't all be fours. Uh, <laughs> some will rise above, but some will definitely uh, sink below that that mark. But for right now, Big John Stud, Hillbilly Jim, both solid fours in my book.
0: Awesome. So, for another episode of Legendary Wrestling Figures, this is Brian. I thank you, Jay, so much, and I will talk to you again soon, my friend. Take that care,
1: was good brother. Thank you.